by the way, since we're talking blackjack now, I missed a shout out. Oh, okay. So shout out to the guy at third base at the blackjack table <laughs> I was at last. <laughs> who who was obviously trying to keep a high low count, but was mouthing the numbers as the cards were being <laughs> oh, turned <geez>. over. <laughs> <laughs> Peekaboo, you fucks, you. I see you, you motherfucker. You wanna talk, or do you wanna bet? We had two bags of grass, 75 pellets of mescaline, five sheets of high-powered water acid, a salt shaker half full of cocaine, a whole galaxy of multicolored uppers, downers, screamers, lappers, also a quarter tequila, quarter rum, case of beer, find a raw ether, two dozen in Counting cards is a foolproof system. It's also illegal. It's not illegal, it's frowned upon, like masturbating on an airplane. I'm pretty sure that's illegal too. Yeah, maybe after 9-11 where everybody gets some sensitive. Thanks a lot, Ben Mod. Well, welcome back to Vegas Confessions, episode 46. How you guys doing? I'm Julian, and we are back with another exciting week. Man, we have so much in this episode from Eric's Vegas trip to sports betting talk to our casino trip last night, and we have some awesome shout-outs. And again, I'm Julian. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm always joined by my two co-hosts. I'm Kelly. I'm Eric. I'm Vince. And there's Vince. He's back again. Don't sound so sad, motherfucker. <laughs> I have another little bit. I'm Vince. I'm Vince and I'm here. <laughs> they dragged me along again. Vince, blink if you're being held captive. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like a blink. I'm not sure. Do it again. <laughs> That's great. I'm uh, done. Awesome. So let's jump into shout outs. I'll run them with them real quick first. I do have two awesome, really good shout outs. So we got a message this past week from a guy named Rufus. I love the name. Rufus, he's from LA area and he wanted to reach out and just let us know that he is really enjoying the show. He wanted to let us know that, you know, he he laughs his ass off. And on top of that, he just, when he listens to the show, he feels like he's hanging out with homies and just having a good time. So again, Rufus, thank you, man, for all the feedback. He said he's, he's listening every time an episode comes out. So again, man, we appreciate you and thank you. And it means a lot, man. Also, my second one, this is a YouTube channel that I've been really liking lately. There's actually two of them. But the first one is called CEG Dealer School. These guys basically teach people how to deal. They're from Las Vegas. And there's a guy named Timmy and I think it's Dave. These guys are funny as hell, and they do like these different challenges, 10-minute challenge. They start it with like 300 bucks, and they see who can make the most money by the end of those 10 minutes. They all have different, you know, strategies and different ways of playing, but they're really fun, and they have some really good stories, and I'll actually share those right here. And then you always have the one guy on the plane home that's like, oh, I won a million dollars. You're back there going, you bastard. Anyway, so if, if you talk to the stewardesses, you know, or the stewards, um, they will tell you, like, people come over to Vegas with so, so much optimism, you know what I mean? I'm going to mm-hmm. win all this money, it's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, uh... How come there's less people on their plane back than there are coming? <laughs> <laughs> you know, traded in their, uh, airline tickets. They're, like, down a kid, they've lost their watch, 20, 20. they've mm-hmm. sold off all their, uh, their luggage. 
You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Yep. The last couple of days they were selling bottled water on one of the pedestrian <laughs> walkways. <laughs> you know what I mean? So here's a, here's, a, I, I got a story. I'm, gonna, I'm trying to share a story on one of the things. So I'm at the Gold Coast. We used to have this guy come in. Anyways, he, he would come in to play dice every day mm -hmm. in these really nice suits. He had this incredible clothing, you know? Mm -hmm. But he would come in, he would play on a bird game, a 25 cent table, and he'd buy it for like 20 bucks, 30 mm -hmm. bucks, something like that. Anyways, so he was really well dressed, and uh, it was always weird that he only played like 30 bucks because he'd have these like mm -hmm. Armani suits and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I uh, come to find out, he had been a. Um, a real estate broker in LA, like a mm -hmm. multi-millionaire kind of guy, you know? Mm -hmm. He lost it all in a dice game, dude. Over over many years, just lost all his flipping money and his wife and his homes in LA. And wow. he, he became a uh, cab driver. Wow. A local cab driver, lost literally everything. All he wanted to do was play dice. Wow. But, but the one thing he couldn't sell off was his clothes. <laughs> so he had like, everything else was shit, but mm -hmm. he would show up in these really nice suits. A lot of gambling stories. A lot of gambling stories. Mm -hmm. So, did you hear about the guy with the suitcase? This is so I don't. I I never saw this myself. It's actually like the. I think it's a merge of two different stories. But there's a guy that. Um, so there's a guy used to, a dentist, uh, from what I understand, came mm -hmm. to Vegas, bet a million dollars at the horseshoe. Sixty. Because the horseshoe would take anything as long as you're first and last. As long as you he would take they would take the bet. Mm -hmm. So he bet a million dollars on a dice game, mm -hmm. and he won. Mm -hmm. So he he ended up and he was staying at the Fremont. He would stay at the Fremont, gamble at the horseshoe. So the first year he wins a million bucks. He bets mm -hmm. a million, he wins a million, goes home happy, right? Mm -hmm. Next year he comes out with the same million dollars and he loses it and he, he jumps from the top of the Fremont and kills himself. Wow. Okay, but, the, but the, the real cool part about the story, that's not cool, but the interesting part about the story is, the, the, so that first time when he bet that million dollars on the game, the crap game, he actually had the million dollars in a suitcase. Mm -hmm. So when they took the bet, they took the bet as is, they literally, got the exact suitcase and put a million dollars in it and paid him the million and the suitcase because that's what he bet. Wow. Do you follow? Like instead of just like the cash inside, they actually, they're like, well, was, wow. the, was the money in a suitcase? Yeah. <laughs> was it on the line? Wow. See, that's how, I mean, they took anything back in the day. That's, that's crazy. How, that's how you could gamble your plane tickets. And one more good YouTube channel will be my buddy over at PJ Slots. He goes to Vegas pretty often. And check this out, guys. So. I believe he's from Virginia, if I'm not wrong, out in that area, and he drives to Vegas, and he hits up different casinos throughout the way. So he's got all these different destinations that he likes to stop at and check out. So I thought, you know, maybe in the future we'll have him on too, because he goes to Vegas, does a lot of YouTube live streams, and plays a lot of different slot machines. So again, PJ, keep up the good work, man. Can't wait to talk to you. Kel, you got any? My first shout out is going to be for Steven. He put a tweet out and it says, I've been listening for a couple of months now and today I just finished up listening to all of your shows. Now hurry up and put the next one out. <laughs> Cheers from your number one fan in Kansas City, Missouri. That's super awesome and I like reading stuff like that. So Steven, thank you for taking the time to put out, you know, yeah. a, a, a tweet for us because we do, we do read them all, especially Julian. He's all over all of them all the time, but it, it's kind of heartwarming just to know like, Somebody likes what we do. Yeah, somebody's listening. Yay. And on top of that, that's the same gentleman that I believe when you went to Kansas City a couple weeks ago, yep. Eric. Yeah, yep. he reached same out. Guy. Hey, yep. if you need anything, hit me up. Yeah, check out this place. Yeah, very cool, dude. So again, Stephen, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, we like to hear stuff like that. Uh, my shout out goes to Carl Schlegel at K underscore Schlegel. 
He sent me a DM after the last episode. He was digging the uh, sports betting conversation. And uh, his favorite line of the sh- of the uh, show was, I root for my wallet. And he had a couple of <laughs> he had a couple of T-shirt ideas to go along with that. So, uh, Carl, thanks for thinking of us and thanks for reaching out. Very cool. And yeah, I don't I, I do. I do got to jump in on that one. It's funny because we've been talking about that, me and Kelly, especially when the Bears played this past week. And, you know, I'm not going to get into that game, but we're going to move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny because, you know, when you guys said that, it really made me perk up and start thinking about it. And I'm like, fuck. And I'll jump into into it later in the show on, you know, how some of my betting went for that game. But go ahead, Eric. No, it's just Carl. Oh, okay. I'm good. Cool, cool. Vince, you got any? We could put a shout out to Phil Ivey since he's probably played his last uh, poker tournament in the United States. For those of you that don't know, he got his uh, winnings confiscated by the Borgata for the judgment that was against him years in, what, I think, 2012. And it looks like they are, and which leaves a $10 million outstanding debt. So it looks like he will probably not be playing poker in the United States anymore because if they're just going to confiscate his winnings, it's they were going to confiscate his bracelets and anything that he won was all in the writ that was against him. So I guess he's pretty much going to stay out of the States from now on. So that's a bye bye to him. So I guess that'll be my shout out. Damn. And all that escalated from playing Baccarat. Yeah. What a exactly. Trip. What a trip. And if you guys are interested, definitely look up this story. It's a very intriguing, especially the way things panned out. You know, I mean, some of the details in that story of him and the lady and, you know, his request of certain dealers. It, it, it's, it's a trip. You guys might want to check that out. You can thank us later. And I, you know what? I do have one other shout out. Have you guys seen the story on the, the kid from that was a University of Tennessee fan that created his own shirt? Yes, I saw that. Oh, yeah. 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 He, he got bullied and uh, because he did, it was a, like a college colors day and he, he didn't have any of the team wear for the school. So he created his own thing. He drew like the UT on a piece of paper and like taped it to his shirt or whatever he did. And he got severely bullied. And the University of Tennessee picked up on it and they've made it their official shirt for the year. Nice. So good for him. And proceeds are going to go to like anti-bullying campaigns and stuff. So good. I'm sorry, I don't know the kid's name, but good for him. Yeah, that is a very cool story. I was reading that this week. So let's jump into a little casino stories. Our buddy Eric had a trip recently <laughs> to the promised land. I love when people, by the way, reach out to the podcast and they're like, hey, Jay, just want to let you guys know we'll be in the promised land these dates. And I just I love when people phrase Vegas <laughs> as the promised land. So go ahead, Eric. <laughs> So I had a really quick trip Um, on the last episode. You mentioned that I was going out for uh, the 360 Vegas vacation. I actually did not make it to 360 Vegas vacation. Um, I was in town for 23 hours. (laughs) Yeah. And and awake for 22 and a half of it. No, no, (laughs) actually not. So I got into town. I, I think I landed at like 11 o'clock, 1130. And uh, as an East Coaster, that's like 230 in the morning to me. Yeah. Um, so I'm ready for bed. Right. Right. So I get down to Caesars where I was supposed to stay. And I routinely make fun of uh, Gamblin Magoo and others who like 
plan out every detail yeah. and you know they've got right and I, I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants because i always have a plan b right so i booked my room at caesar's i don't know uh the day of or the day before something like that and it's labor day weekend and i go to check in at like midnight and you know there's a lot of typing and clicking and they don't have a room for me oh shit and i don't i don't understand why i mean i have a reservation i <laughs> This I, is the I, old Seinfeld episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Clearly, clearly, you don't know what a reservation right. is. Right. Yeah. <laughs> because if I did, I had a room. Right. right. <laughs> well, I, you know how to take the reservation. Anybody can take a reservation. <laughs> can I help you? Name, please. Uh, Seinfeld, uh, you made a reservation for a midsize. Oh, I'm sorry. We have no midsize available at the moment. I don't understand. I made a reservation. Do you have my reservation? Yes, we do. Unfortunately, we ran out of cars. But the reservation keeps the car here. That's why you have the reservation. I know why we have reservations. I don't think you do. <laughs> if you did, I'd have a car. <laughs> so you know how to take the reservation. You just don't know how to hold the reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation, the holding. Anybody can just take them. Let me uh, speak with my supervisor. Uh, here we go. The supervisor. You know what she's saying over there? What? Hey, Marge, see those two people over there? They think I'm talking to you. So you pretend like you're talking to me. Okay, now you start talking. Oh, you mean like this, so it looks like I'm saying something, but I'm not really saying anything at all? Okay, now you say something else, and they won't yell at me because they thought I was checking with you. Oh, great, I think. Okay. I think that's enough. See you okay, later. Good. I'm sorry, my supervisor says there's nothing we can do. Yeah, it looked like you were in a real conversation over there. But we do have a compact, if you would like that. Fine. All right. Well, we have a blue Ford Escort for you, Mr. Seinfeld. Would you like insurance? Yeah, you better give me the insurance, because I am going to beat the hell out of this thing. <laughs> right. So, I'd like to blame it on Caesars. I like to blame whatever I can on Caesars. <laughs> of course, yeah, yeah. Right? I, I stub my toe on the coffee table, and I'm blaming Caesars. Fucking Caesars! Yeah, <laughs> uh, this, this was not Caesars. Um, yeah. Wrong night. Wrong night. Oh, shit. <laughs> Labor, Day, Labor Day weekend, show up at midnight. They are overbooked. They're beyond capacity. Nothing they can do. So now I got to figure out what to do. Well, luckily, the good people at the D were, you know, willing to bring me in last minute notice and uh, actually had a suite available for me. Nice. So... Uh, yeah, so again, not Caesar's fault. A hundred percent not Caesar's fault. Uh, fuck him anyway. Right. <laughs> well, so it isn't, it isn't, well, fuck him anyway. It's that the D has gone so far above and beyond to earn my business that I, I would almost feel shitty not giving it to them. Nice. Right. Like they, they really went out of their way. So uh, thank you to everybody over at the D. You made uh, the stay fantastic. I, I don't you know, like it was really I had I had 
business and I wanted to sign up for the Circa Sports Million. Yeah. So between those two things and like getting in super late and having to leave the next day, uh, there was no time. So to any of our listeners that were attending the 360 Vegas vacation, um, sorry that I missed you. I'm sure I'll catch you next time. So, Eric, did you put the you you put the reservation in for the completely wrong day or it got screwed up because you showed up after midnight and it became the next day? I don't know. I'd like to believe it was the second one, but I, <laughs> pretty know, sure it was I, the I'm, first. <laughs> I had Caesar's fucking. They did. <laughs> I, I really, okay. really, I really, really would like to believe that it was Caesar's fault. But you know, I was initially going, and then I wasn't going, and then I was going, and then I wasn't going. So there were uh, bookings and cancellations and bookings and cancellations. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm just going to own it that I'm sure it was just my fault. Eric but, just crashed uh, the Caesars website because he kept looking <laughs> and canceling. Good <laughs> And they're like, fuck this guy. We want somebody that's not going to book and cancel. He's out. Yeah. Yeah, fuck you. I'm going to the D. Well, I'm <laughs> glad the D took care of you, honestly. They're good yeah, people yeah, down yeah. there. Yeah, yeah you know, it's it's really and uh, you know I'm pretty sure I've given the D some shit on this show. Yeah, uh, you know we probably have to go back a ways, but uh, I definitely had two or three stays there that were uh, subpar, I guess to say the least. But since I've been dealing uh, with my host, man, like it's a different world, and I'll I'll tell you I opened up a marker i placed my bets there uh sports bets with a marker they not only accept it they encourage it which doesn't happen anywhere else and uh i mean the whole thing was just fantastic nice and that makes me happy that you ended up downtown of all places back at the d and and you're and you're really liking it so that's awesome man the only thing the only thing that could have been better eric is if you would have ended up at the flamingo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that would have made my heart happy i'm just gonna tell you no. or if we no. go to atlantic city at bally's you know <laughs> friends don't let friends stay at the flamingo that's exactly right that's the line and julian julian and i actually really like the flamingo yeah <laughs> we like it it's it's right by all the places we like to go to it's it's comical and collected we can go down at any time and play cheap ass craps yep it's it's good stuff. Well, there you go. To each his own, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Anything else on Vegas, my friend? Did you win? Uh, Did you well, have time to if, win? Well, so the action that I placed at the sports book was for the weekend. So when I go back, I'll be cashing tickets. So it wound up being, you know, I guess if we count the weekend after the trip, it was a profitable trip. Okay. Yeah. So I'll be back there. I'm going to have a really long Vegas trip coming up next month. I'm going out. So the summit uh, before, which flows into G2E. So I'm going to be out there for eight days. Nice. Um, well, uh, you know, <laughs> eight eight days in Vegas is something that'll uh, give me pause. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you have to bankroll manage like crazy on that one. Yeah, well, and it's not just bankroll management. It's also like my liver needs sleep. to, yes. uh, my kidneys. <laughs> sleep I've deprivation. Sleep. Yeah, like <laughs> like the body, the body has to hold up. Uh, you know, we've got a um, 
a couple of uh, interviews set up out there. Like I need to be like professional and <laughs> uh, presentable and coherent. So uh, it'll be a test. And yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure I'll pull through just fine, but it's definitely not the way that I would normally Vegas. So talking- the D2E for me is a work thing. So it's like I'm always in the middle of, Meetings, conferences, whatever. So then she'll be out there as well. Uh, I am, but I might end up backing out. I'm not positive yet, but um, I, I I go every year. But there might be something going on this year where I might have to back out. I, I'm trying to figure it out exactly. But yeah, usually I'm out there. Oh, nice. Well, if you, if you wind up in town, let me know. We'll either grab a coffee or a beer or a strip club or sit in a sports book when you have downtime. Now, didn't you just tell me you need to keep straight and narrow here? You have interviews. I and said, here comes the strippers. I said, I said, my liver lights wait, on. Wait, 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 wait. I'm making, I'm making a special exception to meet up with my friend who... Who, I'll I, meet at the Flamingo. <laughs> no. It's no, only if no, Julian no. and I are there. <laughs> well, I, I am interested in going next month, so we'll discuss that later on. I do want to tell you, you know, after spending a week in Vegas last year for, you know, the events we were down there for, brother, all I can say is good luck. Because, you know, we've done two-day trips, three-day trips. The seven-day trip for me, I think by the sixth day, I was, when I talked to Kel on the phone, I was like, oh, fuck. I'm 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 done. <laughs> I am done. And again, my bankroll is not as much as your guys's. So you know, the bankroll management thing did had did take a big effect. So there was nights where I was like, you know, we won as soon as we got there that we that night that first night. So that was nice. But after a while, it's like shit. You know, I need to find something else to do but gamble. And somehow every night I still ended up gambling. So it's what it is. Well, I don't think it's going to be that bad. I think for the summit, I'm going to drink and I'm going to gamble. And like Vince said, G2E, I'm, I'm really there for business. I won't call it work. But, I mean, I'm going to be in seminars and conferences. Like, it'll be four days of, you know, it's in Vegas, but it's not really Vegas. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, touching up on casino, we have, I have a couple stories for you guys. So... The first one is you guys talk about on The Better Life a few times you guys have mentioned, you know, mind your fucking business, right? So, mm-hmm. and Kelly, I know you probably don't listen, but it it tends to when, you know, you're on the blackjack tables and you're betting and, you know, somebody has to chime in about, you know, your bets or something and, you know, make a big deal about, you know, either whether it's um, side bet shaming or whatever it may be, you know, just, right, mind your fucking business. So... At one point, I get to the table, and we're playing Spanish 21, of course, five bucks, and, you know, I was, at, in the beginning, I wasn't betting, you know, matches or anything. I like to feel like I need to bet them, right? So, if I start hitting a couple and I don't have anything on it, then I'm like, all right, I'll put a couple dollars on it here or there, put five if I'm feeling crazy. Well, basically what happened is, at one point, I got dealt, like, 18 but a bunch of small cards, right? A bunch of small cards. And we got a full table. Well, there's this lady who, as I sat down, she saw I wasn't betting the side bet, so she asked if she could bet it. And I was like, yeah, no problem, go ahead. So every hand, she'd give me her money, I'd place it, no issue. Well, at one point, like I said, I got an 18. Dealer flipped a 19. And he's going through and he's checking all the hands. 
And so, sure enough, and mind you, we've been playing like about an hour at this point. She, this guy's checking first, first base, second base, checks hers, checks mine, and he's counting and he's taking his time. He actually rechecks again. And like I said, he had 19, so I knew I lost. And she's all, it's 18. And immediately my thought is like, she's all, it's 18, he lost. And I'm just, I was like, are you fucking kidding, right? So I, I left it alone. Well, he goes over to the last or third base, collects their money. He won, he won that hand too. Whatever. Very next hand, she <laughs> proceeds to give me her money for the bonus bets. And I was like, no, it's okay. I'm okay. And she just kind of looked at me and she's like, I want to bet your bonus. I said, no, I'm okay. It's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> and, and so she's like, well, I don't understand the dealer. He just starts laughing. He just starts busting up because he knows, he already knows why I'm pissed, right? And so I was like, no, it's okay. So, of course, I had nothing on there. Well, the guy that was on the other side of me, he's like, hey, bro, can I bet your bonus? Yeah, sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, it was just like, that was my way of, you know, telling her fuck you nicely, you know? So, it, it was just, it, it just immediately made me think of you guys at The Better Life when you guys discuss, you know, mind your fucking business. So, again, when, you know, you're on the blackjack tables and you see something go on and you feel you have to chime in, don't don't it's not worth it sometimes so and my second story is last night had an amazing night at the casino so you guys know i've been talking about you know the dollar stadium gambling and stuff i put five five bucks in right played i was playing the colors on roulette because it was all like literally a full screen of black right so i'm betting two bucks two bucks winning here and there playing some blackjack while i'm at it and of course one one game of baccarat Turns out, at one point, I don't ever bet the fucking numbers in roulette. And as I put one black, I said, fuck it, I'm going to bet 17. It came up four times. So I put a dollar on black 17. Boom, I'm instantly at, you know, 40 bucks right off the bat. So I'm playing a little bit of blackjack, hit a couple buster bonuses, I cash out for like 55 bucks. I take that $55 and head over to a Spanish blackjack table, which was at five bucks at the time. One another, hundred and fifty there. I mean, no matter what was to, going on. To be on, clear, that to be clear, Jay, that's not a stadium Spanish, right? It's a totally you, no. Yeah, this is tables. Yeah, this is actually okay. tables. So, I immediately bonuses are hitting. I got three, four, five bucks on the bonuses at a time. I'm hitting suited matches. I'm even winning my hands. My double downs are working. I'm like, fuck, this is going great. So now I got another hundred and fifty in the pocket. Then I was like, all right, well. Dealer starts getting hot, starts flipping a lot of blackjacks. I'm like, all right, I'm out. I head over to Freebet. Dude, if I didn't hit push 22 almost seven, six, seven times, and, you know, with two bucks on it at a time, some were suited, all, all suited, some were different colors. And, I mean, by the end of the night, by the time me and Kelly went to dinner, we went to the cage, and she's like, all right, let's go get something to eat because, you know, you got to go to work early. By the time I looked, we were at just under four hundred dollars and yeah off of first five dollar initial bet i was like son of a bitch this is like one of the best nights ever as far as gambling and you guys know i'm always playing low limits so walking out with an extra you know almost four hundred dollars um i was just like man this is this is sweet so again you know i thought the mind your business story was you know was pretty good and then i just wanted to let you guys know that fuck five dollars 
make you holler sometime. Well, and that's the thing. I, I get that a lot at the tables. Um, you know, somebody will buy in like 20 bucks, right? And let's say they get up to 60 80 $100, $120, right? And then a guy comes in and he takes 80 of it back. A dealer comes in and takes 80 of it back and they're down to whatever, $40 from their original 20 And they're like, oh, you know, I never win, I never win. I never. You know, you were up four, five, six times your initial buy-in. If that was $100, you would have been up $600 or whatever. Yeah. But because it was a measly $20, you kept going. And and we get that all the time where they, you know, oh, I can't beat this dealer. I'm never winning. I'm never – you were winning. But in your head, it wasn't enough. But if those were $100, like I said, where you did four, five, six times what your initial buy-in was, you'd be super happy because it was four, five, six hundred $600 instead of $60, $100. So – Keep it in perspective. It, 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 I see it all the time where people get like a number in their head where, okay, I bought in 20 and I'm up to 120. Let me get it to the 150. If yeah. I get it to 150, I'm going to cash out. And then I see them lose the whole freaking thing when they were five times up on their initial buy-in. Like I said, you have to keep it in perspective. If those were $100 chips and you were up 500, you'd be super happy and you'd be walking out the door. But because it's five times a $20 buy-in, you're not happy. Yeah. And five times up is great. Take your money, take a break, come back if you want in a little while, buy $20 in again, see if you can get it up to 100 again. But don't get in your head where, oh, I, you know, it's only $100, no big deal. It's, you know, five times 100 times, you know, five times a week, or that's a $500 paycheck. I'll take it every week. Yeah. You know, but, be, but because it's... In your head, it's low stakes. People just, they keep going and they end up dumping it all back to us. So if you can, keep that in mind. Keep what your initial, uh, initial buy-in was and whatever that multiple, multiplier is, you know, maybe you say, hey, I'll buy in $20. If I get it three, four times up, then I'll cash out. Don't have a, a number in your head where you say, you know, I bought in $15, $20. I'm up to 80 but I want 100 well, you're up four times your bet. If you think it's going good and it's about to change, take the 80. Who cares? Yeah. You're still winning. I'm going to talk a little bit about the I never win guy. It's funny how we always seem to encounter one of those. And there was one last night who fucking hit on 17. And, you know, be it the dealer, just, you know, the dealer asked him twice. You sure you want to hit 17 gets, you know, a 10? Yeah, yeah, of course. And then he lost. He's man, I never fucking win. We just, I, I just started bursting out of laughter. And Kelly's, what happened? Wait, like, I'll tell you later. Wait, he hit a hard 17? Yes, Eric. He hit 17. The dealer asked him twice. You you sure you want to hit a 17? Yes. And I just started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's always that one guy though but you're right like the never win guy I never win i would never have a good luck i don't even know why i'm here and yep yeah, um well I, <laughs> I i never win guy drives us crazy when when they have stacks of chips up and that that usually goes along with i'll tip you at the end guy it, tip you at the end guy never seems to usually do that it, it, and, and here's here's another tip for the players too if the dealer asks you more than one time, are you sure? They're telling you it's the incorrect <laughs> yes, move. Yes. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the dealer knows the correct move. But maybe against convent, you, you know, you're assuming that the dealer 100% knows. You know, there's some dealers, like with the soft 18, they might tell you to stay and stuff like that when it's not the correct move. 
But in general, if a dealer asks you, are you sure, or you want to hit this, if they're asking you again, take pause and look and see what are they asking you. Right. Because any other time, if you give the hit signal, they just give you the card. That means you were supposed to hit. You did the right move. We're moving on. But if they stop the game to ask you again, okay, are you sure? That means they're telling you it's not the right move. Right. Okay. So for those of you out there, if the dealer's asking you, he's trying to help you. He's not being a dick. By by the way, since we're talking blackjack now, I missed a shout out. Oh, okay. So shout out to the guy at third base at the blackjack <laughs> table I was at last. <laughs> who who was obviously trying to keep a high-low count, but was mouthing the numbers as the cards were being <laughs> oh, turned <geez>. over. <laughs> you know why those are my favorite players? Because all I do is go up and talk to them, and it fucks, it them, fucks all them all up. up. Yep. Yeah, I, all I have to do, how you doing, sir? And they just keep mumbling, and I'll just keep talking to them. And it, within two hands, the count's gone. And then I just walk away laughing at myself. <laughs> I'm a dick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's your that's your job, right? right. So, I yeah. mean, that's not, that's not being a dick. That's your job. But well, I, it, it is because internally it felt so good that it makes me a dick. <laughs> not the move itself. It's how it made me feel. <laughs> but, but it, I mean, it was beyond a shadow of a doubt the worst, uh, like – forget cover i mean this was just <laughs> straight up you could just read his lips as he was counting I, right. it was, yeah eric let me ask you this mm. reading his lips was the count right <laughs> was he at least mouthing the right count um i would say he was fairly accurate all right well he was fairly accurate you gotta learn somewhere i guess yeah yeah, yeah. so getting and back did it help you though I mean, no. was, I mean, was he making the right moves and it was correct? Well, here, well, here's the thing. He he was um, he didn't have the true count. So I, that's why I'm saying he was. He just had the right count. He, he had a right yeah. count. He did, right. Yeah. So was he making the right decisions? I would say more often than not. But yeah, I mean, listen, we're all estimating on the, right. the true count. Right. right? But I. Based upon what he was doing, I, I think we were using uh, different penetration numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to discuss what you just brought up, Vince, tipping and betting. And, you know, the the one thing I always do, and I've always seemed to do this, and dealers actually enjoy it that I've learned, and maybe I could be wrong, but, you know, as I'm playing, I don't ever promise to tip at the end. What I do is once I start getting on a good run, if I get a couple, you know, blackjacks and you get that extra change, I always ask the dealer, hey, bets or tips, what you like more? 99% of them say bets, so, you know, we bet the bonuses with each other. And that's one way, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but it also, you know, it also makes me feel like, hey, they know they're going to get something. And even right. if it's even if they don't win, they know the gestures there. So, I mean, now, now uh, on top of that, though, Jay, something you need to be careful about, because such as the place that I work at, if you ask the dealer, do you want to bet it or take it? They have to take it. Really? If, if you give them the option, our dealers must take the bet. And the reason is we don't want anything that looks fishy where we told the player, yeah, 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 bet it. And then they get a blackjack. And then the other players at the table are like, oh, so the dealer knew that was coming. 
it, it just it ended up cutting out a lot of hassle that we were going through. And I'm finding at more and more places, if you ask the dealer, bet it or take it. If you ask their supervisors or their management, they're supposed to say that. Now, if the dealers actually are, you know, some of them may still be saying, yeah, I'll bet it or whatever. Now, that being said, I will say that 99% of the dealers have gamble in them. Yes. So just place yes. the bet. Yeah. Just okay. place the bet for them and let them gamble with you. They'll root you on. It's good karma. I, I know, you know, people who superstitious not superstitious whatever i believe it brings good karma it brings a good atmosphere to the table but you got to be careful if you go to a lot of places and you ask them bet it or take it they have to take it i don't know but another reason for that is well another reason for that is also it's you know now for the house we're not just paying you now we're paying the dealer etc so it's also a house thing too where you know I would rather the dealer just take the five instead of the gam. It's a lot of little stupid things, but most of it is the image that it brings to the table, especially if it hits. If it hits, then the other people at the table are like, what the F? You know, like yeah. he knew the blackjack was coming, et cetera, et cetera. So we ended up doing where we just we just ended up telling them that where just if they ask you bet it or take it, you got to take it. So for those of you out there, you might not want to ask your dealer. I, I guarantee you, if you place a bet for the dealer, not one of them is going to say, "Hey, don't do that. Just give it to me." I guarantee it. They are they are they're built to gamble, just like you guys are. So if you want to do it, just place the bet out there and go with them. Nice. Also, on the subject of dealers having a feeling, it's funny because these fuckers know. I mean, it's so funny because one fun. of one of the dealers over at where we play pretty frequently, one time. I was down, what, 40 bucks. I rebought in for, you know, 100 and he's like, just leave it all on the hand. It's like, yeah, right, shut up. He knows I only bet five bucks at a time. And he laughed and joked, boom, same hand, blackjack. And he's just kind of looking at me and smiling. I'm like, motherfucker, man. Like, so, you know, they do have some sort of an idea of what's coming. And again, most of what I bet, it's for the dealers, as far as tipping, it's usually on side bets. So, it is what it is. But... Also, and they and then they they do enjoy that because the, not only do they get the bet, but they get the odds. Yeah. So yeah. you know it, it helps them a lot more. And and for those of you out there that you know that don't tip your dealer or whatever, that's your privilege. That's your right. I will never force anybody into doing it. I will never urge anybody into doing it. But for those of you that don't know, deal, a lot of places pay dealers less than minimum wage. They live off of their tips. The same as a lot of servers in places, um, you know, wait staff, stuff like that. Except in California. Dealers, Correct. What's that? Except in California. Is it minimum wage mandated? Well, right. But right. Like for us. But, I, you know, they're only making $12 an hour. That's, you know, that's not really a living wage. You know, most of my dealers, they look for the tips as their wage. And the hourly pretty much pays their their weekly taxes. It covers the taxes, you know, whatever they end up paying in taxes that week is usually what their hourly wage would have been. So it's sort of the tips is kind of what they net, like what they take home. So for those of you that, oh, fuck the dealer, I'm not tipping them, whatever, you know, these people got kids, families, bills, just like everybody else. And, you know, another thing that I want to bring up, I don't go into your job and tell you to go fuck yourself or fuck you or I can't beat you or I don't take a pencil off your table and throw it at you like chips or money or anything else. 
these dealers get a lot of harassment and in your face type of treatment. And you got to think, does anybody come into your job and do that to you? I mean, sir, like I said, servers, wait staff, stuff like that. They, they get a lot of bullshit that office people and regular, um, you know, regular office people and stuff like that, that they don't get. I, I don't go into other places and, you know, I, I can't fucking beat you and I'll throw my chips at you or money at you or cards at you. Name me one other job where you would go in there and you would yell at whoever's sitting behind the desk like that. Vince, it's, it's, I, a weird, it's a weird dynamic. It really is. Vince, I, I work in insurance and investments. I assure you there have been people throwing things in my office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. But you know what I mean. I mean, just it, it's just a weird you went to that you went to that dealer. They didn't come to you. You know, and, and like I said, I, I've said it before where, you know, I got a player or a dealer standing on a dead spread that's whipped the last 12 people's ass that wa that was on that table. And the guy says, you know, are you beating everybody? And the dealer says, yeah, man, I'm killing everybody. And the guy will still pull out a grand and, and say, well, let's see if we could change that. Yeah. And then a thousand dollars later when he's lost, he's like, motherfucker, you're a dick and did it. I told you you couldn't beat me. What did you sit down for? And now you're mad at me. Like, you got to put things into perspective. But there's something I'm telling you, this this business is like Thunderdome. It really is. <laughs> it is its own freaking world, man. And but just take into consideration when these people clock out, they're people, too, man. So um, that could be the biggest dick in the world is their boss sometimes. But, uh, you know, just. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's so weird to me sometimes, some of the things that I see and some of the reasons that I've had to throw people out. You know, don't forget that. I, you throw something at the dealer, I could throw you out, too. So that could be the end of your trip. That's no fun either. Neither one of you won then. All right, I'm done venting. Go ahead. Jesus, 15 minutes of venting. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, guys, so let's jump back into a little bit of the football betting that we covered last week. And I know, you know, of course, we I brought the episode out last week and I was like, hey, I think this is going to be a three parter. But when it came down to recording, one of us had a dog barking in the background and it was for, for fucking 45 minutes straight and there's no way to get it out. So I wasn't going to put that out. So we had bad audio, figured we'd just kind of touch up and summarize through a little bit of some more of the sports betting topics that we didn't cover um, anything else you guys feel we didn't cover that you guys want to throw in? I do have a few questions for you guys, and we'll kind of go from there. And it's especially that since we've been discussing this, me and Kelly have been looking into this big time. She's actually on her phone right now looking at different bets and stuff like that right now. But <laughs> it's 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 been very intriguing to me, especially the football aspect of it, from college to NFL, watching lines, overs and unders. Things that I've never even thought about betting because I've always just been going straight against the spread or a money line bet. Where as far as you guys have brought up, you know, the overs, the unders, uh, Kelly's brought up the parlays and different types of bets. So is there anything you felt like we didn't touch on the last episode from the first hour? In-game. Yeah, that's, that's the wave of the future. So, Yeah, so while the game is going on, there are... Uh, opportunities to continue to bet 
uh, the, the term is in-game, uh, but live. Yeah. So they are adjusting lines as the game is progressing, and there's probably more opportunities in-game for uh, what I would describe as mispricing, uh, yeah. especially when it comes to uh, the ones that use algorithms, and that's most of them, uh, quite frankly. So if you want to get action down on a game and the game already started, you are not locked out. And right. you may find yourself uh, with a better opportunity in game, uh, albeit at a lower limit, uh, than you would find, uh, as uh, Gil Alexander calls, pre-flop before the game starts. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's I, I really consider that that's going to be the wave of the future. I mean, that's that's where they're they're seeing, um, you know, I, I get reports, even though that we don't have sports betting where I'm at. We still get industry reports and newsletters and stuff like that in our email. And the live betting month over month over month is just exponentially rising. So um, that's really the way that I, I think things are going to go. Like that's where you're going to find a lot of value. The hardest part for me, Eric, with the live wagering is if I, you know, especially like on a college football game or, or I'm sorry, college football like Saturday where there's a lot of games going is uh, tracking. My, my hardest part that I'm, uh, I'm still working on personally is tracking those live wages because they, they're so fast and furious and you're getting them in so quick that if if I was somebody just starting out and you wanted to do live betting, I would say to just focus on whatever game maybe you're watching. Like don't, because I, I'm getting to where I can kind of look at other games and still see the flow of the game without really watching it. I can do it on my laptop, on my you know TV, my phone. I can, I can have a lot of things going at once and still get the flow of the game and still see where the, the live bet um, value is. But for those of you that are just starting and you want to jump into the live betting, try to focus on probably just the game that you can watch until you really get a feel for it and you understand it. Because, like I said, the hard part for me is I can have 10 or 12 live bets going and then the next commercial I'm doing it again. Yeah. Like it, it could just it could it could just pile on top of each other. And the other thing to be careful about is you might have a lot of money bet on the total game, you know, like uh like you were saying, pre-flop or whatever before the game starts. And then you get so much live betting in that you end up winning the game bet, but you lost so many live bets, it was a losing game for you. So yeah. that's why you really want to track it as well. Make sure what your bets are because you want to see where your weaknesses and your holes are that, you know, how did I bet $1,000 on this game, but I ended up losing and I won the game, but I'm down $120. Well, obviously, it was your live betting, and somewhere in there is where your your holes are, your weaknesses. So, how do I have a couple questions for you guys? How do books get their lines? Is it all strictly Vegas, or how does that work? It's not Vegas at all. Yeah, it's uh, all offshore. And I, well, yeah. I think it's Chris right now, right? Is Chris the, yeah. Yeah, yeah predominant? I mean, it, it's right. So, offshore is setting the line. There's actually a really good book that covers this. Uh, it's called The Logic of Sports Betting. It came out earlier this year. Ed, Mill uh, Ed Miller and Matthew Davidow, I think, are their names. Um, highly, highly recommend this. This this book actually explains the difference between a retail shop and a real bookmaker 
where the lines come from and how the lines get manipulated. You know, it's funny. And see, that, that's a difference in to, uh, in terms too, Julian. There's something between there. There's a difference between a line maker and a bookmaker. Yeah. A line maker is setting the line. They're the ones that are putting the number out. A bookmaker is the one that's taking the bet yeah. based off of those numbers. Okay. They're not setting the numbers. They're not doing any of that. They're just taking the bets and going off of that. So uh, I, I hear a lot of people that get compu- uh, get those two things uh, confused. Right. So your line, sure your line maker is Vegas-based, correct? It's, it's a set of people in Vegas that actually create the lines. And then the bookmakers are, you know, your offshore people or your casinos, correct? Other way around. Other way around. Other way around. Yeah, your line maker is is offshore, Aruba, Cayman Islands, stuff like that. Oh, okay. Costa Rica, right? Yeah, Costa Rica. Um, so does Vegas that, get their lines from offshore? Well, it, it depends on who's running their book. Also, like the you know William Hill and stuff like that. Um, but even William Hill, Eric, are they? I don't know if they're line making, right? No, they're not. Okay, I didn't. Okay, I yeah, didn't no, 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 no. They're they're definitely not. There are uh, some Vegas uh, shops that are making their own lines. Um, Circa was the first to post the uh, college line. I think it was like Sunday at like uh, ten a.m. Uh, mm-hmm. Pacific time, something like that. Like they already had uh, college week three out already. So they're they're making lines, but there's definitely. Um, a lot of houses that all they're doing is they're taking somebody else's line and some then adjust with action that they get Mm -hmm. and whether it be sharp action that they kind of move off a number uh, or it's a handle and then others just still copy whatever else is out there and they're just basically a retail front just taking bets based upon somebody else's work so now eric this brings something up because um Kelly, we were talking behind the scenes about some college football and stuff, and I was talking about juice with her. And she's on a sports book that literally every game is minus 110. Mm-hmm. And I, I told her that, to me, that's not really a sharp book. That would be more of a public book. Sure. Um, and I, maybe you can explain it a little bit better than I, I did because I'm not sure that I, I explained it clearly to her. Of what that would be. So there are, um, well, if you're looking offshore, I mean, a lot of times they're looking to discount the VIG to begin with. Uh, That's, that's, you know, how they drive business. But even as the volume comes in in the form of uh, bets, their handle, um, without moving the number, they can move the juice. If you're staying flat at 110, they're giving themselves a larger buffer to work with to begin with, and they're just going to absorb more action at that number because they have more juice to work with. And Kelly, that would also show me that that's not somebody that's doing their own lines. They're following somebody because they don't know how to adjust. Like, like I would imagine unless they get thousands and thousands on one side, then they would just jump off the number. It doesn't seem like they even know how to manipulate the juice. So I would imagine they they would more than likely be getting their numbers from somewhere else, and I would imagine don't know how to really uh, adjust. So that's why I would say that it, it's like a public betting type of uh, online 
sports book that you have because there it would seem like they're not getting thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars bet against them so that's why you just see 110 110 110 it didn't matter because they're not pulling in a lot of money on any one game so that that's why i'm saying it's more of a uh you know i don't see a sharp better dropping 50,000 on their site and they're at minus 110 and staying there i don't i don't think well, that would Based on that, you living in California, and you're telling me it's a flat 110. Can I assume it's a local operation? No, no, it it's wasn't. Offshore. She showed me what it was. Yeah. Oh, so this is this is an offshore. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, I would tell you there's better deals to be had. Way better. Okay. So um, on on that on that note, lines fluctuate on money coming in. Is that true, or how does that work? It so can. The line or the juice? Because they, they're both tied together. Well, both. Because that was okay, another well, one I had for you guys. Well, let's say let's say that a game is minus three, and they're getting a lot of money on the one side at plus three. They're taking the plus three. Well, they don't want to go get off of that number, so what they might do is plus three, minus 115, or minus 120, maybe yeah. even minus 125. If they're still drawing money, even at say maybe minus one twenty-five, then they might realize, okay, this is a bad. We got to go. We got to drop it, and they'll go to minus one, uh, minus two and a half, um, or I'm sorry, plus two and a half, minus one ten, or they'll start the number over again, right? Okay. And then if they still draw the number, then it'll be minus two and a half, minus one fifteen, minus one twenty, minus one twenty-five. They're still taking it. Okay, drop it down to two. Minus 110. So what they'll do is is most books, if they're really, um, you know, line making, they're they're going to adjust the VIG most of the time, unless they take a huge bet right off the bat, and then they might just jump right off the number. But if it's just like bets trickling in, but it's consistently coming, they'll adjust the juice first. And that's how you can see where the money's coming in, but it's not a strong enough amount of money to get them off of that number. Or that number could be a key number that they just don't want to get off of either. That's a whole other thing. But I'm just trying to give you, like, yeah. as black and white as I can. Okay. And it, and, depe it depends on who makes the bet also. Right. So, so I make a bet, and it could be a sizable bet. It's probably not moving a line anywhere. But what the bookmakers do is they – you know, there's people that are known uh, to be expert sports bettors. And let's say they were going to open a line and they didn't know if it was two and a half or three, and they're going to let their sharp bettors at it. Mm -hmm. Well, the way the sharp better uh, places their wager is going to help them determine where they need to be for the public. Right. Okay. Right. So let's say the line was plus two, two and a half, and the guy comes in and plays the favorite at minus two and a half for $5,000. It's not a ton of money, but they know this guy is a known winner. They might automatically, even off of just a little $5,000 bet, jump it right to three because they know, okay, wait a minute, we're, our number's off. They might do it that quickly and for that little because that guy's known to be a 60, 70% winner possibly. I mean, that's pretty high, but I'm just saying. Uh, that just the person himself, not the money, was enough to move that line of, okay, our line's off. We need to move it. Do it now. They'll, they, I've seen it happen that quick before. Okay. I don't, I don't want to misquote, 
so let me let me put this under this is my recollection but i think bill krakenberger was on a numbers game on vison um and he said that when chris opens the line they have certain betters that they give access to the line before right. they go public with it yes 100 so so they are allowing their sharp betters to beat the line up a little bit so they know where they need to be for the public and what they might do for that is they might limit what their action could be. It might be, sure. you know, normally they're a ten, twenty thousand dollar better, whatever it may be. I'm just throwing a number out there. And they might say, We'll give you first access, but we're only gonna give you a five thousand cap. Mm-hmm. So they'll say, Okay, here, here's my five thousand dollars that I'm pretty much guaranteeing myself to win, and they're willing to do it. So. Now, there's also false bets too. That's a whole nother thing. So yeah, right. yeah, um, some you know, this guy I don't want to get too deep for the people that are just starting, but this guy might put $5,000 at plus three and automatically it moves to two and a half. And that's when he drops $30,000 on it and just pounds them. Basically he moved that line. So he got the actual number. He was willing to lose that original 5,000 to win that 30,000. He got, he tricked them into moving that line, but at the same time, he'd probably never be asked to place the bet again. But I'm just saying, I've, I've known where they've controlled the lines like that before, too. Well, he might place the 5000 with Chris, knowing that, you know, these local shops are going It'll to just it. copy the line and then place. He might not get 30 down, but he might get more down at other right. shops at two and a half. Yeah. Right. And this is where you guys discussed in the first episode, shopping lines is important. Makes sense. Okay. 100%. So last question I have for you guys on this ep- on this subject is, do you guys have any aggravating losses that you can think of? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Expensive uh, or we not? We don't have enough time. Uh, uh, let me tell you. One it, that stands sports out. Betting, sports betting is like poker, and that is you seem to remember your losses better than your wins. Like the every – I had a like an 18 parlay one time where all I had left, it would have paid me $12,700. The only thing I had left was New England Patriots money line. It was the last game on my on my card. I, I don't know. I can't remember if it was for the um, somebody's microphone. If it was the last if it was the last game for the day or just I, I know it was on my card as the last card. All I had was Moneyline Patriots against the Browns. And all it was, it was eight. It was an eight team, I think it was. I'm pretty sure it was an eight team. And all I needed was the Patriots to win, and I cast 12,700. They were a... Uh, let me look it up right now. I'll tell you right now, actually, because it still hurts me in my kidneys. Um, they were, I want to say it was like a 12 point favorite, something like that. And they lost outright to the Browns in, I can't even think. And the whole, it, it killed the whole parlay. It wasn't, it wasn't against the spread. It wasn't anything except money line. That's all it was. And they couldn't do it. They lost outright. It was, um, I can't find it. Go ahead, Erica. I'll see if I can find it. I mean, uh, this last weekend, Philadelphia, Washington. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I was I was backing Philly pretty heavy, and and you know how I feel about Philly, yes. the yes. right. So, <laughs> and I was backing Philly, and they fell behind pretty early, yeah. and then stormed back, took the lead. Now they're covering, and with I think. Six seconds left. Washington scored a meaningless garbage time touchdown. And the announcer said, well, that mattered to some people. Uh-huh. And, <laughs> and it sure as hell did. By the way, I just heard Kelly laugh. I haven't heard Kelly's voice, I think, the whole show. I thought she I'm, I'm, I'm so happy just to hear Kelly. Kelly, I missed you. I missed you, too. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, and that happens you know, I don't say all the time, but like regularly, there's got to be a, a certain uh, something in a, a better where like that becomes that feeling. Right. And, and I, I've said I'm a Jets fan. I'm a Mets fan. So I'm used to disappointment and I'm used to just, <laughs> you know, watching watching your teams like just ruin your weekend. Um, which, by the way, I had the Mets give up seven <laughs> runs in the bottom of the ninth, and the Jets. Oh, that was up. a brutal one for. That and, was a bad one the other day. That was and, horrible. And in the same week, the Jets give up seventeen points unanswered to Buffalo. <laughs> so that was that like, Mets game was brutal. That was what was that bottom of the ninth, seventh, right? Seven, seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. So that, that game was expensive. Uh, the jets game was expensive. The Philadelphia game, you know, six seconds left, meaningless touchdown. That was expensive. It, the thing is, it isn't that these things happened because they happen. It's that these aggravating losses are part of the territory. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and it's not just a loss. It's in it's in the excruciating way they lose too. Yeah. Like I could take losses, but it's the one where they slowly pull your heart out, and your buttholes tucker in a little bit, <laughs> and just it, 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 it like, and you know the third quarter you're seeing it coming, but you're still like, oh no, there's hope. But in the back of your head, you still know you're going to get fucked somewhere in the end. You, you feel it. It's starting to get that energy. Like, remember the Super Bowl with the Patriots and, and the Falcons? Oh, yeah. Remember when it started the swing? You just you saw it. You were like, the Patriots are winning this. I don't know how, but they're winning this game. You just felt the whole thing just Oh, we remember. Swing. We were in oh, Lava yeah, that we weekend. Were, yeah. we, were watching, we were watching it with, like, 250 other people. Yeah, we were. And, and you know what I mean? So if you had the, the Falcons in your pocket with a ticket— you saw it coming, but yet you were like, there's no way they can do this. There's sure no way they did. can come all the way back. And yep. But everybody else in the world, you felt it. You just saw it coming and coming. Here it is. November 7, 2010. Cleveland Browns 34, New England Patriots 14. And it was just, it was a brutal, I I still want to throw up at that one. Because <laughs> it, it was, it wasn't, a, it was just a money line bet. All they had to do was win the, win the game and they got blown out. Oh, that was a terrible one. All right. Uh, but so, yeah, recently the the biggest one that I feel for is Eric's the the Mets one. I, so I got sick. On that of, note yeah. of Eric, Eric, you want to mention the joke that you sent us yesterday about you know you you've spent more money buying cars <laughs> or what was it? <laughs> I think this would be a good way to wrap up this show. I lost more money this week on football than I've spent on cars in the past now uh, listen when, when you're a teenager you buy shitty cheap cars yeah <laughs> well we'll factor that in but, it was yeah. 500 you know it's okay it was yeah <laughs> so yeah, we're good. yeah let's let's we'll, we'll, call we'll it say that. it was 500 we're gonna call it that but yeah. but 
But before you wrap it up, I did have one more thing I wanted to mention since we were on Philly. I want to be clear. I'm not suggesting that he listens to the show and that he was copying me. I am not suggesting that at all. I mentioned it on Twitter on episode 705. Tim from Five Hundy by Midnight goes off on a rant on how much he hates Philadelphia. Oh, really? Everything, everything about it, he hates the people, he hates the town, he hates the city, <laughs> he he hates everything about it, and then ends it with and send all of your hate mail to hunter at ratevegas.com <laughs> that's my shtick yeah thanks for listening you know, tell them to send the hate mail to do for a win wow was, uh, yeah so i think uh, i think tim and i should have a beer i think uh, i think we might have more in common than i thought hilarious awesome. hey, Jimmy, should we give an update on the contest that we shit the bet on or <laughs> nah, I think that's all we need to leave it as is we shit the bet on it right now <laughs> so we're tied with three other podcasts for what last place but yeah oh, I, no, no. oh we got more points no. don't we oh yeah we do we're not in last we place. got the we're, same losses but we got more points I think we're, yeah we're in the middle of the pack but uh the guys over at you can bet on that went three and oh are they uh, the ones that set the thing up no, no. Oh, seven out did, right? Seven yeah. out, set it up. They're in second place. Uh, Doofer, Win and Vito are also ahead of us. Then there's us. And then at the bottom of the pack is uh, The Better Life and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know why he lost? Why he's he couldn't do the player... Uh, Props. He could do the player props, right? That's exactly right. Well, yeah. So, I mean, if you were to ask Tim, he does way better on player props than he does on, uh, um, you know, sides. Um, and then uh, with Tim in last place is Adam Bauer, uh, travel fanboy. Now, are so, both of them doing it by themselves? Uh, they Tim? are. Yeah, okay. they are. To, to my not, I mean, Tim, I know, is doing it by himself. I assume Adam is uh, doing it by himself. Uh, the do for a win guys are doing it together. And how, uh, how many are like on each? Because a couple of those I don't listen to. So I, and no offense, I just haven't gotten around to them yet. Uh, so Vito was looking for a partner. I don't know if he ever found one. Um, so, you know, he was looking for a, a behind the scenes genius to make the picks. So I don't know. I don't know if they're his picks or if he found somebody do for a win are two people, Kyle and Craig. Um, We're the only four man. Oh, oh, oh uh, yeah. We are four person. person. Sorry, yeah, Kelly. Are, Sorry, wow, Kelly. Don't, don't wow. hit him in the neck. <laughs> we are. We are most Sexist. certainly. The only four person, by the way, I got lit up the other day because I approached a group of people of uh, mixed gender as guys. <laughs> Apparently, that's not acceptable. Anymore. Like, I, I don't understand the world that we live in. Even even if you don't like that, like it. It was just a generality. It wasn't a male guys. It was just Ouch. guys. Right. I get it. Well, I just shit myself, too. Now I'll start getting people yelling at me now. There you go. And his Twitter handle is... <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, this Again, has been all fun. hate mail should go to do for a win at gmail. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Correct. Awesome. Well, this has been fun, guys. We got to wrap this one up. Again, hope you guys enjoyed this. This has been fun. Since we've been talking about it, me and Kelly have been very intrigued with, you know, we've been texting each other back and forth. So, again, to the listeners, if you're new to the sports betting scene, we hope this is helpful. This is our whole intent of doing this thing. And, again, Vince, Eric, Kelly, you guys have been great when it comes to this stuff, teaching the newbie me myself. And, again, 
Hope all you guys enjoyed this stuff. And until next time, guys, cheers. 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 Sad motherfucker. I was dreaming of bigger things and want to leave my old life behind. Not a yes, sir. Not a follow-up. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder.